the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And if you put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's absolutely right. And we do wish you'd give us a call if you happen to be out of state or out of town or out of the 225 area code. There you go. The listening to us. Furthest distance caller today will get a free Agco t-shirt mailed out Monday morning. That's absolutely correct. And we always enjoy the perspective from folks from uh, oh, sure. out of state, especially folks from up north. And a lot of times, of course, right now, they're not getting a whole lot of cold weather. In fact, it's probably cooler right here in <laughs> South Louisiana this morning. It, boy, it was great this morning. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, until that sun got up and... Oh, it, it warmed up quick then. Foxy and I got up this morning, I guess, about 5, 5.30. Wouldn't took a long walk. Man, it was great. Oh, yeah. Man. Nice and cool. Yep. Sat yeah. outside and drank my coffee. And yeah, I was going to say, South Louisiana is probably one of the coolest parts in the country. There right? you go. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> hey, let's go straight to our phone lines early. Good morning, early. Hey, good morning there. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Hey, look, I've got a 94 Lincoln Town car okay, with 80,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. And in hot weather, when I've driven it a little while, in overdrive and air conditioning on, the engine goes out of gear, and then the engine races, and then it goes back into gear. And yet I can't make that symptom come out when I wanted to. Hmm. It only does it after you've been driving for a while early? Yes, it does, yeah. And then it goes away after that, after it cools off? In the wintertime, it doesn't happen at all. Okay, but I mean, after it occurs, once it goes into neutral, if you stop it and go drive it again, it won't no, do no, it? No, I continue driving, and it goes back into gear. Okay. Man, the only thing simple would be something like the seal on the filter cut, especially if it's been serviced fairly recently. When they put the filter in, they could have cut the seal, and it's drawing some air in around that. Beyond that, the valve body bolts on that vehicle have a tendency, the valve body gasket tends to shrink up on that transmission, and the bolts can get loose, and you can get a cross leak. But it sounds kind of like you got a cross leak going on where it's drawing some air into one of the chambers in the valve body where it's supposed to have fluid pressure, so it's not applying one of the pistons. Now, there's a number of other things, obviously, it could be. You, know, you could have some clutches that are burning out or something like that. Are you fairly handy early? Uh, you no, do, you do work yourself? You're not? I was going to say what you might want to do is pull a dipstick out and just kind of smell the fluid. And if it smells kind of like oil or that, you're going to probably be okay. If it smells burnt, kind of like burnt popcorn or burnt toast, then you probably got an internal transmission problem. Okay. Uh, one other thing you could do, and I wouldn't normally recommend this, but it's not going to really hurt anything, and it's just kind of a diagnostic procedure. Go to the parts store and buy a quart of a Mercon 5 and just dump an extra quart of fluid into it. Now, that's going to overfill it slightly if it's full now, but it's not going to hurt it, and see if the problem goes away. Okay, if the, five. Yeah, if the problem goes away, then you got a cross leak somewhere, and what happens, the extra fluid just covers it up. You know, it raises the fluid level above the leak. So if that's the case, then the, the fix would be to bring it in somewhere and have it serviced and get them to check, check for a cross leak. Now, if the problem persists after you have an extra quart of fluid, then you're more likely into some kind of an internal problem. In okay, appreciate that advice. All right, Early. Thanks, have, man. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. You too. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Gary's been patiently holding. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, good sir. Good morning. Okay. I've got a 91 Nissan Pathfinder. Okay. And in the morning when I started up and put it in reverse, the back out the yard, it won't move. 
So what I have to do, I have to let it sit there and warm it up to get the fluid real hot. Now, okay. Yes, I, was, I was telling me, I was asking him about changing the transmission screen. And he said, if I do that, by being that old, more Absolutely not. That can't hurt it, Gary, but it's not going to fix it either. You can't ever hurt a car by servicing it. That's an old wives' tale. Where that comes from, people wait until they've got a problem with the transmission. Then they go service it. Then it fails. And they say, oh, well, the service made it fail. No, no, no. It's the hundreds of thousands of miles without the service right. that made it, it fail. It was going to fail regardless. Yeah, it was on the way out. And you happened to service it before. It's, it's kind of like a guy that, when he's 100 pounds overweight and he smokes and he starts having horrible chest pain. So he goes, takes some vitamins and he dies. Well, the vitamins killed him. No, you can't ever hurt it with a service. Now, if it's not going into gear when it's cold, most likely what that is, the seals have gotten hard, and that's from a lack of service in the past. That's exactly what he was telling me. Yeah, the seals get hard, and what happens is that when it goes to apply, the fluid bypasses the seal, so it doesn't apply, the piston squeezes the clutches together. Now, once a little hot fluid runs past it, it softens that seal up somewhat, and then it will go ahead and apply. Now, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can go ahead and do a proper service. New fluid does have conditioner in it. It could possibly help just a little bit, but I wouldn't expect it to fix it at all. The second thing is you can continue to drive that vehicle exactly like it is as long as you're willing to let it go ahead and warm up and go. Right, because if you if you crowd it into gear and you start revving the engine up right. and the vehicle's not moving, you're tearing stuff up inside that unit. Right, like Brian said, if you sit there and start I racing. Right? I usually do, I just let it sit there and warm up. Well, yeah, right. just give it its time. You yeah. know, An old car is kind of like an old man. You, know, you can still do everything. It just takes a little bit more time to do it. You still go to the party, just can't stay as long. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you could probably continue to drive that truck a long ways with that problem. That's called delayed engagement. And like I said, it's not going to destroy the vehicle, at least not immediately. But you can, as long as you're willing to give it some time, I would go ahead and do a proper service on it just because it can't possibly hurt it, and it may help some, may buy you some time. But like I said, just go ahead and give it its time, let it go. I mean, the other fix is to take it out and rebuild the transmission. So I, I could change the transmission fluid with no problem? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, one other question. What okay. about radiator flood? Is that necessary? Oh, absolutely, yes, sir. Go to my website, and there's an article I just put on there this morning. It's going to be a two-part article. First part went on this morning. The second part will go on there next week. It tells you all about coolant, why you have to change it and all that, man. But you read that article and you're going to know more about coolant than most of the guys who are working on cars know. Actually, all of the fluids in the vehicle need to be changed at one point. Yeah, at some point, some or, point another, or another. Every, every fluid in that vehicle is going to break down. No fluid is really permanent to the vehicle. It's all going to break down. It's all going to give you trouble. And the only reason you go in and change fluid is because it's an inexpensive thing you do that prevents a real expensive thing if you don't. What is that website? www.agcoauto.com. A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. All one word, dot com. Gotcha. Appreciate you, man. All right, Gary. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, line, we'd love to have you. And we got Scott online. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got a 1990 Chevy Celebrity that I have in storage for about a year now. Uh-huh. Got it. I put it in, in storage because it had a, a bad fuel pump. I haven't had time to get to it, uh-huh. and now I have a little bit more time, and I'm thinking, uh, what might I look for other than a fuel pump problem as far as getting it back to a running condition? I'm going to tell you the very first thing, and this may seem kind of self-evident, but a lot of people overlook it, but you're going to need to wait to dispose of the gas that's in that fuel tank, because if it was filled a year ago, it was filled with ethanol, because that's all you can get in this region. 
that ethanol has gone through what they call phase separation over the course of a year. And that's going to end up eating your fuel tank up and destroying a brand new fuel pump if you put it in. Just as a side, when you drop the tank to change the fuel pump, dispose of that fuel. Do not be tempted to try to use it again. It, right. it will definitely take the new pump out. Beyond that, Scott, I would check like the coolant on it, make sure if it was new a year ago, then it'll still be okay. But if it was kind of old a year ago, then it's going to be worse now because sitting is worse than running. A year's time sitting is worse than a year's time of running. Hmm. Another thing, the transmission fluid and all that, you might want to look at it. You know, if I had a vehicle that'd been sitting up for a year, I would probably go through and change the majority of the fluids, if not all the fluids on it, just because that's relatively inexpensive insurance. Sure. What about the injector or any cleaner or anything? No, all that'll be fine. That stuff only cares about miles. An injector's going to fire so many times per mile, so many miles. It doesn't care how much time goes by, whether it's running or not running. 100 years can go by, it's not going to care. You put fresh fuel behind it, the fresh fuel ought to clean them up right. pretty good. It may run a little rough for a while yeah, until that fresh fuel cleans those injectors up. Right. But an injector is a self-cleaning unit. That's right. It does not need to be cleaned Unless there is a, a major problem with it, and a lot of times you got to take them out to do it, you just soon change them. Right. I mean, so, I can tell you, we look at 30 cars a day at Agco, and probably in the course of a year, we might clean two sets of injectors. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Not that I can think of. I mean, other than the battery will probably right. be dead First as a hammer. You might want to go ahead and replace it because even if you recharge it and it comes back, it's probably not going to last. It's going to end up dying on you. Check for any corrosion that's built up in the cable ends or anything like right. that. One mm-hmm. last thing, check the production date on your tires, Scott. Make sure the tires are not old on you because sitting for tires is also worse than running. And if you're not sure how to do that, just go on my website and there's a section there where a picture shows you how to check the production date. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, appreciate your help. All right, Scott. All right, thanks, sir. man. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? That's it. And you don't feel like calling today or maybe during the think of something during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website, get your questions answered that way. And the address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get a question answered within 24 hours that's right and most time a lot lot faster because i do sit at the computer quite a bit and during the day even at work i generally check my email three four times a day uh-huh. at least so normally it's gonna be a couple hours you're gonna get an answer back and that is the not only the best but the only way to reach me or get a question asked during the week right we you keep know, him we keep him hopping up front. oh yeah yeah and you know, don't call and call the shop and expect me to come online and ask a question i just can't do it i do like i do like hearing from you and all that but you have to do it through the proper channels. That's sure. why I do the radio show, and that's why I have a website with a contact bar on there because I was talking to a guy all day. I said, well, you know, if I stopped and spent 10 minutes, I've got almost 60 customers a day that come in, and Correct. if I just spend 10 minutes a day with it, that is my full day. My sure. day is gone right there. That's right. So I just can't answer phone calls during the day. I can't come to the phone and answer calls. So the way to reach me, like I said, is either by email or just on Monday, Saturday mornings when I do the radio show. Sure. If you want a live answer to your question, you can call us on the radio. That's right. While you're on that website, look around the uh, detailed topics, just a whole lot of information there. Put one on there this morning, which I think is going to be a very, very helpful article to folks. It really goes in-depth in the coolant and into the chemistry of coolant and what it does. A lot of people think that coolant is an antifreeze, which it is. But it does so much more than keep the engine from freezing. Sure. One of the primary things that coolant does is protects from corrosion. And corrosion on a modern car is a major, major issue because you have active metals. You have a lot of aluminum and stuff like that that's very active and reactive. And you can get galvanic action going on, which will basically total your car. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. And It'll start eating it up from the inside out. And, you know, you can't see it, but you know it because... Yeah, it starts you, leaking. <laughs> well, it starts leaking. You start going through heater cores or small, thin aluminum parts like that, like radiator cores. That's and right. By the time you figure out you got a problem, it's, too it's late. really too late. So, really need to read this article and understand what's there. It's part one. Part two will be in how to change coolant properly yourself. Uh-huh. And that'll go online next week. So, Great. Um, Really, really good series of articles. You might want to go on there. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. Tony, Mike, George, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this little short break. It rhymes. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things that chap my hide lately. $150 jeans. Vanity licenses that are too complex to read. Billboards that say drive carefully. Think about that one. Child beauty pageants. I mean, let's go ahead and set these kids up for failure before they get to kindergarten. And how about when you try to be nice and let someone out in traffic and they won't go because they're talking on the cell phone. Here's a message for you. Put the phone down! Another thing that chaps my hide is repair shops that use Swaptronics to fix your car. That's where they can't pinpoint the exact problem, so they just change parts, hoping to fix something. Which means your repair bill could double. The experts at Agco determine the exact problem, then fix it right the first time, at the price quoted. Which does not chap my hide. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alpazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Train Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We're going right back to our phone lines with Tony. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. Good Sir. morning. I was just listening to your ads. You think that Aceless Mail really works? <laughs> <laughs> I got a 2010 Honda Insight, and I just recently bought used, and uh, it's got the onboard computer that tells you the uh, percentage of oil life left in it. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. How does that how does that calculate? Just miles or what? Now, it takes a number of things into consideration, Tony, and they are better than they used to be, but I still don't really trust them. I've just seen where they look like to me. They go way, way too long. Yeah, I just got it changed the first time at 15%, and it was almost 10,000 miles. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Just, man, to me, I got to say, Tony, that, that's kind of penny-wise and dollar-foolish, and I know you got some people who claim to be environmentalists and say, well, the oil goes, and no, it doesn't. All oil, 100% is recycled as heating oil, so it, nothing goes into the environment. It's not bad for the environment. What's bad for the environment are cars that burn oil and cars that leak oil because people went too long on oil changes. All changes are dirt cheap, man, by comparison to engine problems. I would probably be doing that closer to, again, depending on the way you drive. You know, if you're putting a lot of long trips on it, yeah. if you average trip. I can port to Lafayette every day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you can go pretty long on that. I mean, I don't know if I go 10,000 miles. I'd probably no, be changing around six or seven. It crept up on me without me really yeah, going yeah. by the percentage. But I mean. When I checked it. Damn, damn, I went too far. Yeah, and see what it's looking at to answer your question. It looks at miles. It looks at time. It looks at engine load. It looks at a number of things, but it doesn't physically analyze the all. And a couple of things it cannot allow for is, let's say you've got just a very, very minute uh, glycol leak. Say the head gasket leaks just a tiny bit, which all of them do to some degree. Intake gaskets leak a tiny bit. You get a little glycol in the oil. Your viscosity starts going off the scale. You start getting problems. That's going right through your oil filter because it's a liquid contaminant. The only way to get it out is a drain and fill. And see, it has no idea about that kind of stuff. Right. The guy that wrote the program figured out that I can take these measurements and by this time and this much, 
that oil needs to be changed. It's just a written program. That's right. It's not actually, like Lewis said, analyzing the oil no. itself. No, it has no idea what that oil is. You know, if I took and poured a cup of water into that oil, which would absolutely destroy it instantly, it would have no idea. It would still take 10,000 miles. Right. Now, the Honda people told me that it's regular petroleum oil in that car originally. Mm-hmm. And the oil change place I took it to said they got to put it synthetic in it. So I let them put synthetic in it. So what's my next step? Should I continue to use synthetic? Or? I would look up the, in the owner's manual and see which it calls for. And they're yeah, going to give a specification a, for it. It just says 0W20, doesn't okay, it? Okay, 0W20 20 will be a synthetic oil. Correct. There's no fossil oil that's going to reach 0W20. Okay. You can't get that wide of a range on a regular oil, so it's going to be a synthetic, synthetic. oil. But synthetic oil does not mean you can go longer. That's a fallacy, and that comes out of the marketing department at the synthetic companies because it costs so much more. They want to make you believe it's cost-effective. They say, oh, you can go longer. No, you can't. It, it's a better detergent than regular oil. It's going to get dirty faster than regular oil. So, Are you still talking five to six? Yeah, I'm changing five, six. The way you drive, I mean, you might even could push seven because long trips are perfect on oil. That's ideal conditions. But, I mean, for a cost of an oil change, I mean, geez, what does that thing hold? Maybe four quarts? Three point three. Yeah, three, okay. three, three something quarts and a filter. A Honda band. filter. Yeah. And the engine for that car is probably 10 grand. Yeah. How many oil changes can you buy for that? You That's know? it. Something you want to consider too is make sure when you get your oil changed, they use a Honda filter and they change the O ring on yeah. the drain plug. Yeah, there's a little okay. aluminum crush washer that goes right. under that. And shops are bad about not replacing that crush seal. And what happens is that they crush it the first time. Well, the second time they tighten it down, it doesn't crush quite as well, so it leaks a little bit. Well, their answer is just to tighten, tighten it down some more. more. Right. Is that well, the torque spec on that plug? Right. And after a couple of times, they pull the thread out of the pan, and so you're buying an oil, aluminum oil pan for about 500 bucks. Oh, it's, especially so. if you're taking it here, there, and yonder to get your oil changed, you have no idea who did it. Right. So right. then you, you're kind of stuck. You know, if you go to one place, they change your oil every time you can keep your receipts the drain plug gets stripped out, you can say, hey, guys, yeah. here's all the receipts. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, It had to have happened here because this is the only place it's yeah. ever been. But like Brian said, a Honda filter and change that crush sleeve every single time. And okay. beyond that, I mean, that little car will probably lash into your oh, yeah. time driving it. Yeah. Okay. Do you have time for one point? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. My wife drives an 06 Element. Okay. And we bought it used a couple years ago, and it wasn't, it wasn't a certified, so mm-hmm. I don't know what they did to it. And I'm just now kind of realizing, and listen to you guys, that mm-hmm. that transmission fluid needs to be changed. Oh, yes, yeah. it does. Yes. Uh, like 110 on it. Wow. Yeah, you're way, way past doing that one, Tony. Because see, the Hondas, the filter on a Honda is made inside of the case. You can't change the filter. You actually have to take the transmission out of the vehicle and break the case apart oh, to get to the right. filter. So if that filter restricts, you're in big, right. big trouble. If they provide you with a drain plug and a fill port. So you can actually drain and fill that transmission. And what we like to do is use the Honda fluid, which is probably going to be a DW on that car. Yeah. 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 The new fluid. You drain it. You put new fluid in it, three quarts of new fluid in it, and go drive it and get it hot. Come back, rack it up, and immediately drain that new fluid out. And on the end of the drain plug, there's a magnet. Right. You can check the magnet, see if there's any trash, any big particles stuck to it. If there's not, there's going to be some on it because the transmission is just going to generate generate debris in a normal operation. But what you're looking for is big chunks of metal stuck to that plug. If you don't, you put it back in. It actually has a crush sleeve on it, too. You can change that crush sleeve, torque it back down, and then put your three quarts back in the top, get it hot, 
check it. You may have to add another half. Some of them take three. Some of them take three and a half, depending right. on the application. Then you're good to go for a little while. Yeah, on that one, I'd be trying to service that trans by every 30,000 miles. Yeah, right. I'm because you, you don't want the filter to stop up. If it does, you're done. Yeah, that's a pretty in-depth transmission to take apart and put back together correctly. I've seen Josh got one scattered all over the bench oh, yeah, in the back. Absolutely. And it's, absolutely. It's got millions of parts. Yep. Now, I'm, I'm hearing I'm supposed to do that thing, Brian, the changing thing three times in a row. Right, two. Yeah, no, two times. A double, a double drain of fuel is going to get everything right. that you're going to get. A third term, you basically just throwing away good fluid at okay. that point. What I would do, if it had been a long period of time, is I'd probably do a double drain and fill. I would drive it maybe 10,000 miles and do it again. Okay. That would do much, much more good than trying to do it three times. Uh, okay. You know, by the time you do it twice, you've gotten out 99%. And what would help a lot more is a one or two frequent ones and then go back to 30,000 mile intervals. Okay. That's what I'll do. All right, Tony. Thanks, Thanks man. All right. Bye-bye. Alright, we'll have to get on out of here. We'll be right back. Mike, George, Brian, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things I'm tired of. I'm tired of reality TV. There's nothing real about it. I'm tired of all those housewives, the Kardashians, the brides, the bachelors, celebrities in rehab. Here's an idea. Let's ship all the Flavor Flaves, Snookies, and Honey Boo Boos off to a deserted island and watch America's average IQ jump up a few points. I'm also really tired of automotive repair shops that promote an $89.95 brake job and then hit the folks for 500 bucks and give them a lousy job. Listen to me. And take your vehicle to Agco, where you get quality work performed right the first time for a reasonable price. And that, my friends, is a reality. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alpsan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? And we got Mike has been patiently holding. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Lewis, and good morning, Brian. How are y'all today? Doing, Doing great, very sir. well, sir. Look, I'm the Mike with the little blue Trans Am that Brian stayed yes, at closing time yesterday. Yes, sir. put that alternator on. Yes, sir. I just wanted to call on the air and tell him how much I appreciate him going the extra mile. Oh, it's me. not a problem, but I thank you for the... <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that yeah. thing came in, man. We had ordered it from Jim. It was supposed to be in the next day, and some kind of way or another, UPS kind of dropped the ball on that thing, and it didn't get to us till I think it was, it was eleven. Walk, it was it was by uh, eleven fifteen. Eleven fifteen. Yeah, going. when it come in. In fact, I'd already called Mike, told me wasn't gonna make it. But yeah, and then Elaine called back and said, <laughs> "I think we can do it today." So oh yeah, in yeah. Fact, yeah. In I fact, really... I had that alternator hanging, fixing to take it off the car when it come through the shop. So yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it worked out well. Well, I appreciate it again. I just ran the car through the car wash because I'm proud of it now that it'll keep a hot battery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I told Elaine to uh, tell Brian I owe him a coal and I won't forget that debt. There you go, All man. Right, sir. All right, Mike. All right. Thanks, Thanks again. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the automotive out, we'd love to have you. That's awful nice of him. I, to... I'm glad when that works out like that. Yeah. You know, I can get a car out in the same day. Well, yeah, and we don't ever mind sticking around maybe a couple minutes later or whatever it takes to get the car out. Well, sure. That's what it takes. I mean, I'm... That's we... what it takes is what it takes. Yeah. And we spent hours there on Friday afternoon before trying to get one finished. That, that's so. a fact. So. Hey, going back to our phone lines with George. Good morning, George. Good morning. How yes, you sir. Doing, sir? Doing great, Good sir. morning. I got I bought a nineteen I mean a twenty eleven uh Chevy Colorado Okay. Truck. Yes uh-huh. sir. And I don't know if this is you've heard of this before. I've got 
it sounds like an exhaust noise that's coming from it, from the engine. Okay. Underneath the truck. And I called, I even called Detroit and asked them if they had problems with this before. Mm -hmm. They referred me, of course, referred me back to the dealer. Yes, sir. And I brought it to the dealer two or three times. They put a new muffler on it, a new tailpipe, and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. But it still makes a noise when you accelerate it. And then when you're going about between 40 and 50 miles an hour, mm -hmm. it, it's making that exhaust noise. Yeah, George, I tell you what, I would be very careful. See, when you walk in, you say, hey, it's making an exhaust noise. Right. Then right. what they do is they start looking for exhaust system problems. Now, right. that puts yeah. them in that, that frame of mind. Right. What you need to yeah. do is go and say, I've got a noise when I accelerate at 40 or 50 miles an hour. And can yeah. I take the technician with me and show him, show him the noise. what the noise is? Because, see, it may be a totally different noise. You just think it's an exhaust noise. They're looking at exhaust system, can't find nothing wrong because ain't nothing wrong with exhaust right. system. See, well, I've done that. I've done that, Lewis. Mm -hmm. I brought the mechanic with me on the Okay, road. and you accelerate and you he, showed him the noise? What, what, let me tell you what they're telling me. They're telling me that the engine in there is what causes the noise because it's a five-cylinder 3.7, and that's what they're telling me that, that's making the noise, and they can't do nothing about it. Well, it may be true. I don't know. I've not heard the noise that you're I talking about, and I can't say I've heard anybody else complain about that noise. Well, that, that's another thing. I, uh, I know a guy that lives around my house. Mm -hmm. He has one. Well, he has a truck. Just George, like let me tell you how you fix that problem. Is uh -huh. you go back, go to the dealership and don't yeah. go to the service point. Walk up front and find a new Colorado sitting on the lot and say, I'd like to go test drive this car. I'm thinking about buying it. Go drive it the same exact way and see if it does it. Yeah, now, if it doesn't do it, then what you do is you tell the guy, say, you know, they all supposed to make this noise and this one doesn't do it. So it must be broke. So yeah, I want you to break right. mine like this because I like that better. Right, right. But the thing about it, they don't make them anymore. They don't make the Colorados anymore. Hmm. Yeah. You yeah. have to maybe find one on right. a find or one on a used car lot somewhere and drive and see if it does it. Like I said, I don't know because I hadn't heard the noise, but, I mean, mm -hmm. there are certain noises that are normal to a vehicle. It's just like it's just like if you had a, a mm -hmm. hole in your muffler or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I'd have to hear it, man. I just yeah. can't say. There are certain noises that are normal to certain engine designs. I know the yeah. Chevy 5.3 has a slapping noise when they crank up in the morning, and most people have gotten used to it now. They don't even notice it anymore. But I remember when they first came out, everybody was screaming and hollering. GM says it's a normal noise. Nobody uh -huh. believed it, but I've seen them with 300,000 miles still making that noise. So uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> apparently it don't yeah. hurt anything, you know. It couldn't be the catalytic converter. Well, yeah, it could be anything, but you know, I'd have to hear the noise to tell you that. I mean, I asked him that. Mm -hmm. I asked the mechanic that. He said, well, if it'd be that, he said your engine light would come on. No, that's not, not necessarily. True. That's, that's one. If the catalytic converter loses efficiency, the light will come on. But if it's got a hole in it, it ain't going to make a light come on. Uh, okay. I mean, it could be any number of things. It could be yeah, anything in yeah. the exhaust system. So, oh, yeah. and, and there's a lot of pieces in that exhaust system. So, I mean, I would hold their feet to the fire if they're under... Still under warranty, I would want a better explanation than that. Or it's only got forty thousand miles. Yeah, well, you might want to take it somewhere else and have someone who's not involved in the warranty process drive it, see what they think, and give you an honest opinion, and then go back with that information and say, "Hey, I had this other guy look at. He says he thinks it's this, and what do yeah. you think about that?" Okay, well, right. I'll try that and see what happens. Okay, man. All right, sir. Okay, all right, George. Thanks, a lot, Thanks man. man. Bye bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we got Brian on the line. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Listen, I got a 97 James Yukon. Mm -hmm. It's got like 285,000 miles okay. on it. Okay, okay. 
the fuel gauge when it's when I fill it up with gas, it's it'll be on full and mm-hmm. everything's fine. But okay. once it starts to use fuel, mm-hmm. that thing starts jumping around, sword fighting with the oil pressure gauge and doing all kind of funny stuff. And it's only after it gets down past a certain point that it does it. Yeah, right. Once you, if you put well, hundred miles on it, then it'll start doing. Yeah, it. Yeah, won't we ever do it if it's got three quarters of a tank? Uh, you know, it, after it, once it gets past when it's full, it's on the F. Mm-hmm. Once it gets drained, drained down a little bit, it mm-hmm. starts going hey. I would say most likely that's going to be something in the fuel sender unit. It's got right. a bad spot in that sender unit. And what you need to do to find that, Brian, is to bring it into someone with the amount of gas that makes it do it. And we can connect a scan tool to it, and I can watch the signal from the tank with a scan tool. And if the signal's jumping around, then clearly it's something coming out of the tank. If the signal's not jumping around, then it's something to do with the gauge. But the fact that the fuel level affects it tells me it's almost for sure going to be something in the fuel center unit. It's probably got a little bad spot in it. I've changed the the fuel pump in this thing probably three times over the mm-hmm, life of the vehicle, mm-hmm, uh-huh, and mm-hmm. it started doing it after the second one, and it, it changed it since then, and it's still doing it. Yeah, and did That's, that pump come with a sender unit or no? Yes. And it did exact same thing after as it did before? Exact same thing. I was thinking maybe because that fuel tank was is plastic, mm-hmm. that when I, was, when I jacked the tank up, they still had some fuel in it, mm-hmm. and I might have... Knocked that baffle loose. That, that is possible as well. I had a Ford truck come in that was doing something similar, and it had actually a plastic line inside the tank that vented one side of the tank to the other. It was inside, and it had a little clip that held it up to the top, and that little clip broke and fell down, and that line would hit it when it would drop to about three quarters. It would hit it, and it was doing almost the same thing. So it is possible. It's going to be something in the tank. It could be a baffle. It could be a line that's broke loose in there, or it could just be a defective unit. But if two of them did it, I mean, that would be kind of rare. Pretty simple. Again, all you have to do is you got to drop tank back out, take it out. You can work that unit back and forth by hand and watch your gauge and see if it's nice and smooth. Then get a flashlight, look up inside the tank and see if anything's broke loose because there is a baffle in there that could have broke loose and that would do that as well. That sounds like a winner. I right. appreciate it. Okay, bye. All right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. And we've got Richard online. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I got a 97 Chevy Silverado 350. Uh-huh. And I've always used Benzoil. Okay. A synthetic oil. In yes, sir. Uh-huh. Well, it's like about 135,000 miles on it. I was coming home the other night. I looked down. I had a check gauge light on. Okay. And my oil pressure was down. Zero. Okay. I pulled them over. I had plenty of oil. Mm-hmm. It was running real smooth. Mm-hmm. No noise? No noise. Okay. Yeah. I would go ahead when it came home, and I looked, when I turned the engine off, the oil pressure gauge jumped to about 20 pounds. Yeah. Right. More than likely, what it sounds like, the engine's not making any noise, because if you when had I it, first I, When I first tied it up, after it's sitting, it makes some valve noise. Right. Right away when it warms up. Just telling you. Right. Maybe 10 seconds. Yeah, I would suspect it's probably the oil pressure sender unit is going bad. That's kind of a classic symptom of them. They'll just drop to zero like that. And, of course, the chime is set to the sender unit. So when it sees the sender drop, it's going to start setting that chime off. You know, not too likely that you're actually losing oil pressure. But, again, not very difficult for us to verify that. The way we would go about doing it is to take the sender unit out and screw a mechanical gauge into it and read the, the oil pressure. Right. If the oil pressure is good, then you just change the sending unit. Now, if the oil pressure is physically dropping off, you got a whole different story there. You, you could have an internal engine problem, but 
it's a 97 model, you said? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. going to be a 5.7 liter small block, most likely. Right. And that engine, man, I could tell you the number I've ever seen with lower-end engine problems in the last 40 years is almost none. I mean, those engines just hardly have any oil-related problems. As long as you don't physically run it out of oil, you're just not going to hardly ever see one of those go bad. Okay. So most likely it's going to be that sender unit. If you want to just kind of throw a few dollars at it and hope to fix it, you can just change the sending unit. Most likely that's going to fix it. But you know, that's I, behind the distributor. It yeah, is right on the side of the distributor on the driver's right in the side back between two valve covers on the driver's side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I don't know how to get at though. Yeah, it's kind it's, of kind of bare. And actually, yeah. that one's not too too bad. Yeah, because you can actually get back there to it. It's not as bad as the newer ones. The newer ones have a, the intake kind of covers over the top, and mm-hmm. you've got to mm-hmm. kind of blindly go back in there with a socket and yeah, and work and it. Some but some of those do take actually a special socket to fit them. Sometimes you can get a regular socket to fit on it, but you may break it. They do make a socket for that oil pressure sender unit. It's a little bit different cut on it than a standard socket. Well, what would it charge to get that hooked at? No, it's not much. Less than an hour's labor. Okay. All righty. Right, and I'd be safe to drive it over there as long as I'm not making any noise. It's not making any noise or anything, Richard. I'm pretty sure your engine's going to be okay. I mean, if the oil pressure's dropping to zero, the damage is already done. Right. So either way, yeah. I think you're safe to drive it a short distance. And that jumping up to about 20 pounds when I turn the car off, is that normal? No. That's a sign of a... Yeah, send a unit to right. also. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Great, thank you. Okay, Richard. All right, thanks, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Four nine 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 five two six number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. And we've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Hey, it's Paul Herman. Yes, sir. Good morning. Ninety three Carvette, mm-hmm. and you when you turn off the wipers uh, to park, it the the blades don't stop. Okay. Is that the park switch? It is, and that is no. It's either the park switch or the park cam, Paul. Either way, it's inside the wiper motor. And I'm not sure they sell that component separately. It may be available aftermarket. I know Delco does not sell that. You got to buy a motor to get it. Yeah, right. I mean, you so, might go on the internet and find just a switch, but sometimes the cam itself will break. It's just right. a little cam that rotates, and when it gets to the park position, it breaks the switch. If the switch doesn't break, or if the wires are short together, or anything like that, then it's going to continue to run. Some of them also had a relay on them, Paul, that would go out. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at a wiring diagram. But the park switch actually worked a relay, and if the relay sticks, it'll keep on going after you. You got to turn the key off to make them stop. That's correct, man. You right, and then the uh, cam, uh, the cam could be broken too. The plastic it could be cam. broken, right. or it could be the little nut on the end has come loose and it's just kind of slipping on. I see. I tell you what, you can do if you can get a wiring diagram, figure out what the two wires are, and just turn it off. And when it gets to park, it should break. If it breaks current and it still runs, then the relay is bad. If it does not break current, then it's inside the motor. I see. Okay. All righty. Will do. Thank you very much. All right, Paul. All right, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526. number of you want to be part of the automotive hour. And we got Charles online. Good morning, Charles. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good. Good. I have a Chevy Tahoe mm-hmm. and Sounds like my catalytic conversion might be going out because I heard you mention one earlier on the show. One advice recommendation I got was to have one of those companies cut it out and drop in a universal. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. that. No, I would no. not do that. What year model is it, Charles? 2002. Yeah, you won't no. pass inspection with that. Uh, universal converter is not going to be OBD2 compliant. I would buy, personally, at the shop, we use the OEM GM converter. Hey, that's the only one I can afford to use right? because you, I can't have you coming back five times complaining to meet your lights still on. 
So yeah. the only thing I use is the OEM GM converter. Now, and it's the complete Y unit. You unbolt it from the exhaust manifolds and you unbolt it from the intermediate pipe and you change the whole Y pipe with the converters right. already welded in, in place and everything. Now, there are some companies that make a aftermarket replacement. Some are okay, some are junk. If you get one of the better upper end ones, somebody like Walker Exhaust makes a pretty decent one. I'm not going to say it's as good as a GM unit, but it's probably usable, and it's going to probably be $100 so less than the GM unit. You might check something like that. Just make sure it says OBD2 compliant on it, and it says direct fit. Those two phrases need to be right. on it. If not, they make a world of difference. I can tell you, I have seen so many people cut these things, put them in, and then come back to me, and we got to end up putting the original part in there to get it past inspection. All right. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay, All man. right. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 the number if you want to be part of the automotive. Huh? And we got Will online. Good morning, Will. Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing Will? great, Good sir. Good morning. Look on a 97 GMC, your fuel sending unit out in your tank. Is that pretty much cut and dry? Just take that thing out, put it back in, and crank it up and go with it? Or do any special thing has to be done to it? No, it's right. pretty much just part of the fuel pump module. Right. You got that ring on the top you got to take off that locks the pump assembly into the tank. You got to be a right. little bit careful with that ring. A lot of people, see, we've got a series of special tools that takes those rings off. And there's probably about, what, eight or nine of those? At least. And if you get like a screwdriver or something on, you start beating on it, you can bend the ring or you can bend the top of the tank. And when you put it back together, the check engine light pops on because you got an evap leak. Cause, right. You know, created a leak. In the th- and something you don't want to do is create a spark up there driving on a screwdriver with well, a hammer. Well, that's true, too. You know, if you're going to attempt to do it that way, you should at least have a brass punch. Yeah, a brass punch and a hammer and be very, very gentle right. because that's just sheet metal. And if you beat on it just a little bit, you can warp that opening. And if you warp that opening, it's going to leak from then on. I think you've got to hold two inches of vacuum for 30 seconds to pass the EVAP test. So, right. And then you're into a tank if you yeah. end up with that. Any distortion at all will uh, damage that. And like I said, we got just a series of tools to take those off. Every one of them just buys different, but it's a special tool that grabs it and turns it you know, doesn't damage it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I noticed I looked at it. It's got that, uh, uh, I guess, sealant from the factory. Just kind of dig that sealant out. It's yes, sir. Uh, right. Hey, yeah, well, what kind of sealant should I put right back on, on top of that? Kind of a wax silicone right. sealant that the factory uses. I don't know where you, if you could even buy that. I mean, we normally just put a new O-ring in, and I don't even put any sealant on them. Uh, it'll come with a new O-ring. It'll come with a new O-ring. And generally, if you clean it up real good, put a new O-ring, it's not going to leak. Take a little bit of silicon-based grease. And kind of yeah, wipe like that O-ring so it'll slide yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You yeah, shouldn't right, have right, any problem. Like a little Vaseline, I guess, right? I would Not use a but you don't want any kind of petroleum-based right. grease. Uh, Vaseline is petroleum-based. That could eat the O-ring up. Okay. Something that says silicone-based. It's just something that's safe on, on rubber. Okay, I got you. Okay, that'll work. Yeah. All I right. appreciate you. Have a good day. Okay, all right. Sir. Thanks, man. All right. All right. All right. Boy, I don't think we got time to take a call for the break. We got Catherine and Bill. You guys hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a little advice for those who overshare on Facebook. I know I friended you, but please, I don't need to know what you had for breakfast or where you just scratched. I don't need to know your Uncle Dominic's political beliefs or that your mom painted her kitchen a color called Frosted Fern. And for the last time, we don't care that your cat, Doogie Meowser, really looks like Neil Patrick Harris. Some more advice? In this tight economy, why waste money on a new vehicle? Stick with your older model and take good care of it to make sure it lasts. Come to Agco for quality maintenance and repair, and we'll save you from throwing money away on a big note so you can pay other bills or save for something else. In Facebook terms, that's something you'll definitely like. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. 
Back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, Joy Team Tools, we try to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got Bill online. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how you doing today? Doing great, sir. Doing good. I'm just going to stir up a little thing here that's going to make everybody worry. Okay. All right. I'm 65, and I've always changed my own oil. And mm-hmm. recently, I became a hotshot driver, okay. drug driver. And thought I'd let the pros do it. Okay. Well, I noticed a spot of, of a liquid underneath my truck. Mm-hmm. Crawled up under there. The oil filter was covered on the outside with oil. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that when you change your oil, you tighten it hand tight, and then you turn another, what, a half? No, about a quarter turn, half turn. Quarter, yes, of, a quarter of a turn. Mm-hmm. I had to turn a complete revolution to make it hand tight. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I had just come back that week from Houston and also to Pascagoula, Mississippi. Hmm. I, and here I am paying good money for a pro to do it. Well, it I'm going to tell you, Bill, I like changing my own oil. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> things do happen, and especially a lot of like the dealerships, they've got oil change facilities in there, but they run them kind of more like a quick lube than they right. just. That's not one of the line techs changing all out there. Right, yeah. you, you got the you and got the low tech guy. You almost better filters. off. I really like the idea of people changing their own oil. I really do. I mean, particularly right. under your circumstances where you're gonna be out there on the road, and mm. you know, I gotta trust this setup. I, I think I'd, I'd be changing my own oil if I was you, know, unless you just don't want to <laughs> do it anymore. You know. <laughs> well, I, I'm going back to that. I can't. You know, you pay good money, and mm-hmm. that's what you get. And what the heck? Yep. <laughs> That can happen, I guarantee you. Oh, and yeah. Happens more often than you think. Yeah, we see a lot of stuff like that where either they don't torque the oil drain plug down, strip the drain plug, or they leave mm-hmm. the filter loose, or they put the wrong oil in it, or whatever. And I guess most of those guys on the oil change lines, a lot of times people go to a dealership and get their oil changed. They think that that's a Ford trained expert or Chevy. Yep. Well, no, that's not who's on that line, oil change line. That's more of a flunky out doing that. Yep. So, yeah, they've actually got an oil change place here in town that when it happens, they call it an oil out. Yeah. <laughs> it happens that often. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it happens more often than you think. All right. I just wanted to warn everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely That's great. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Thank All right, you. sir. Bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, I think we can squeeze one more call in there. we got Catherine on the line. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Good morning. Good I recently, well, three weeks ago, purchased an 06 Volvo. Okay. And this past week, we discovered that there's water in the transmission fluid. Okay, Uh-oh. yes, ma'am. And so I'm wondering how severe that is. Very severe. Almost 100% chance that the transmission is going to fail, if not immediately, pretty soon, if it's truly water in, in the fluid. In the fluid. And there's two ways that water normally gets in the fluid, Catherine. One is by driving through high water. Two is by a radiator that's leaking because the transmission cooler runs through the radiator. And almost either one is almost an instant death to the transmission. In other words, transmission clutches are designed to run in petroleum, not in water. And water will dissolve the adhesives that hold them together. So there's no way to flush it out or any of that. And so can that same transmission be rebuilt? It can. Okay. Depending on how long the water's been in it. Yeah. And how long have you owned the car, Catherine? I've only had it three weeks. 
in Louisiana, there's a law called the Redhibition Law, and you okay. might want to talk to an attorney about that. But basically, it says any major defect that occurs in 90 days can be thought to have existed at the time of the purchase. You know, you might want to pursue that, particularly if you can get somebody to say this water's been in there for a little while, and you may be able to rescind the deal on the car. Okay. That would be your best bet. Okay, I appreciate your advice. All right, All right. thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, we'll take one more. He gave me the finger there. And <laughs> we got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, how you doing, Louis? Doing, doing great, sir. Doing great. I'm a, I'm a graduate of the Altazan Garage Company. And uh, <laughs> All right. I just want to tell that guy, right, that's why I changed my old my oil, too. I don't love doing it, but they strip pans, they don't, they, they don't change it. They don't change the filter and that kind of stuff. One thing, though, if you change your own oil, mm-hmm. don't change your own oil and then leave for Houston. There you go. Change, <laughs> change it two or three days before because, look, things happen. You might get a filter that leaks. You might get this that leaks. Well, that, you would be true. surprised how many people come in to have their car serviced and they're leaving the next morning. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, we, happens all the time. We get folks come in, man, they'll get a whole list of stuff done. Yeah. They're leaving for Orlando in the morning or that Ooh. afternoon. And I say, yeah. man, I'm glad that you trust me and I'm going to do my absolute level best. But right. man, we're all human beings and stuff does happen from time to time. Yeah, good point, Bobby. Good. If you're going to make a big old trip, try to get that in at, at least, least a week. At least a week ahead. Right. Because right. You can get a defective part. I mean, all kinds right. of things can happen. It's always best to give yourself a little breathing room. You bet. You guys keep up the good work. I'm glad that guy called in and uh, complimented your shop. And, of course, the show is always great. I tell everybody to listen. Well, well thank you. Deal. We appreciate it, man. Take care, man. Thank all right. You, Bye-bye. Uh, and, you know, we've got an article on the site on changing your own oil. Uh-huh. And if you're going to change your own oil, I would advise you to read that article. Oh, most definitely. Lots of things that you can do wrong and things that you can overlook doing it. If you do it right, you can do a better job than a uh, shop will for oh, the most, most part. definitely. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to iTunes, give us a written rating. That kind of moves us up in the in the charts there. It did, and we got several written ratings last week. I Great. really was thrilled to see that, and I hope we get several more this week. We really appreciate that. Tells us we're doing a good job and kind of gives us a little thank you there. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.